One of the things that, if I could be pretty clear on something uh, right up front, one of the things that bothers many of us is the more we seem to have, the more we want certain things, the less we think we have. And the more we still strive for those things that we think we're lacking. Why is that? Why is it that when we strive for more, we seem to have less? Well, I think there's something underneath the surface many times that we probably are not so familiar with or aware of that happens to all of us. There are things that creep up in our lives that drive us away from what God would want for us. Could it be that underneath the surface, something is destroying us inside? Maybe we think only others have this problem. It couldn't be me. But if we're to be honest, maybe we've all fallen into what we would consider greed. And as scripture would define as covetousness. Today we'll be looking at greed. Number one, defining greed. Number two, illustrating greed. And number three, overcoming greed. Number one, defining greed. According to Merriam-Webster Dictionary, greed is defined as a selfish or excessive desire for more of something, such as money, than is needed. The word essentially for greed when found in Scripture is the word covet, which is used interchangeably. So as we use the word greed, know that we're essentially saying coveting as well. According to the Strong's Concordance, pleonexia, which is the word, means covetousness, avarice, Aggression, desire for advantage, fraudulency, extortion, covetousness, practices, greediness. C.S. Lewis once said, our problem is not that we want too much, it's that we're satisfied with too little. Greed is essentially desiring an advantage over another in what we have, except the fact that they have more. And we want what they have, to their detriment. What they have is what I want, and, want, and I want to be better off than they are. You see, the truth is, every single one of us, if we were to be honest with ourselves, has a part of us that is prone to this. There's an area of our, our lives where we really do have greed. We tend to look at others and say, well, they have greed in their life. They're desiring for these things. They're stingy. They keep this to themselves. And we have areas of our lives we're not willing to share with others. And what I mean by that is the material blessings maybe God has given us or the time that we've been given. Maybe it's even just the, the, the everyday life that we're saying, hey, it's about me. It's, it's mine. And number two, in illustrating greed we have to have a basic understanding of how that word is really used in Scripture. See, I can give you all the definitions in the world of what greed is, but until you actually can see it for yourself and we see what Scripture says about it, we're going to have an inaccurate or only a partial understanding of what the word greed really means. Let's look at some texts of Scripture to see what it is that greed actually looks like. Well, first of all, it's a sin we all must battle. Most people do not see themselves clearly enough to say that they're going to ask the Lord to forgive them for greed that day. In fact, it's one of the sins that you probably haven't even thought of repenting of in a long time if you have ever. 
But in Colossians 3.5, it says this, Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. And he lists all these different sins, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. You see, the truth is, this is a sin that affects and infects all of mankind. It doesn't just affect those that are more well-off than you are. It affects the poor and the rich. It doesn't matter what class of people you come from. Greed will be a struggle that you and I have. Unfortunately, most of us think when it comes to greed, only those that are rich or well-off are guilty of this. In fact, that's the default position. We tend to think it's the Scrooges in life. Those are the greedy ones. The truth is we all struggle with this. It goes right back to the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, which Paul restates here is still a sin that we are to put to death. But in Exodus 20, verse 17, here's what it says. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. Ultimately, anything that someone has, you would want in greed, in coveting. And desiring to have for yourself only to usurp them. As one person stated, today we get to the last of the Ten Commandments, the one that speaks about coveting. I would venture to guess that gossiping and coveting are the sins we commit the most. And coveting seems to happen more as our society has the keeping up with the Joneses attitude. We are obsessed with the latest gadgets and technology. In past generations where technology wasn't changing by the day, there wasn't pressure to keep up or as much jealousy over who has what new things. The truth is, it's a struggle for everyone. It's a mankind struggle. The truth also is that it hurts those closest to you. Proverbs 15, 27 says, He who is greedy for gain troubles his own house. But he who hates bribes will live. I think we agree that many sins affect those around us. But many times we don't pay attention to how greed actually affects our own families. We need to be careful how we speak about others and what they've been given. And what they have that we may not. If we're not aware of this sin creeping into our family, we'll be bothered by what others have been given to the point of thinking we deserved it more than they did. We want the advantage. The truth is, it's a one-up that we always want on someone else. Whatever it is that someone has, it isn't fair that they have it, I should have it. And I should have more than even they do. That's essentially the way greed works. It's mine, and it should be mine. And what they have should be mine. If we see the way God has blessed others, a test to see how greedy we are is how joyful we are when God has given something to someone else that we ourselves do not possess. When God blesses somebody with good health when our health is deteriorating. When God blesses somebody with a good income when we're struggling to pay the bills. When God blesses somebody else with wonderful kids and we're struggling because... We had problems, and we're not able to have any. You see, the truth is, this affects us in different ways, and some of them are more personal than others. 
Some of them crush us on the inside. There are tears that are cried over things that maybe we have not gotten that someone else has been given. To put it in perspective, everybody that's really frustrated over all the things that are going on in the world and complaining about gas prices are not losing their homes in America. To put it in plain terms, I think we have the wrong priorities many times. In fact, maybe that new job that someone got is exactly an answer to prayer in their life. You see, what we don't see many times is the background to what God's given people. Many times we see somebody that we speculate and posture to be successful, but we don't realize what went into all of that in the years past. The many years of tears and crying. The struggles to stay up late at night paying bills. The getting into overwhelming credit card debt that we ourselves are going through as we're looking at it from the inside, outside looking in. You see, so many of us get to the point of coveting, as Ahab did in the Old Testament, that he didn't in any way just want to see that someone else had a vineyard. He needed that vineyard for himself. And he would do it at any expense. And unfortunately, what greed can sometimes play out is a pity party. Well, you know... It would be nice if I had that. It would be really nice if I could do those things that they get to do. And what ends up happening is when we even get to that point one time in our life that we actually get those things or possess those things, we don't appreciate them. How many of us have ever desired for something that someone else has only to be really disappointed when we got it? Let's be honest for a second. Have you ever thought, I mean, let's, just, let's put it in perspective. Let, let's be a little more real here, right? Have you ever thought that marriage was the perfect solution to your singleness? How many of us have gotten married that we thought, hey, if I get married, this will solve all my problems? And we got married and we realized there's still more problems. One of them is the one that you look at in the mirror. You, you haven't changed. You're still the same person. What's even worse is when we go into marriage thinking the spouse is going to change, and they don't. And then we realize, oh, wait, I thought this was going to be different. The truth is, when it comes to greed, our desire for, and longing for the things that others have is always disappointment. Because every time we ever end up with those things that we desire that someone else has, we're disappointed still. Because none of the things in this world were meant to satisfy they never were. Men can be competitive when it comes to their job and how much they make. But if we're not careful, we'll start to no longer think of others as competition, but as enemies of ours, because they're making more than we are. We must destroy them and show them up. It's no longer about providing for the family and trying to make more to be able to do other things. I now have to take the advantage of somebody else. I need to show them up. Many times this happens when we feel the pressure of not being able to do something or buy something that others easily can do or afford. 
It isn't that we aren't just desiring what others have. We want what they have, but much better. We believe that God owes us better than what someone else has that we like. If that house that we really like that someone else owns is anything that we deserve, we deserve much better. And unfortunately, what happens many times when it comes to greed is it's a subtle, subtle thing in our lives. We don't even notice it. It is so natural to many of us that we would say, I probably haven't even thought that I was greedy in years. But I want to tell you, church, that in the midst of all this chaos that we've seen in the world, greed is still a big prevalent factor, and it's not just in governments. It's not just governments that are guilty of greed and desiring to, if you will, continue to press with what they have as their own wishes. We have that ourselves. Let me illustrate with this anecdotal story of two neighbors who habitually practice one-upmanship. Both of them work very hard to acquire material possessions to prove that they're better off than the other. One day a rich man says to one of them, I will grant you a wish. You can ask for anything, including money. This man is very happy, the one that's told this, and starts thinking of all the ways that he plans to ask, what, is he, what he wants to ask for from this rich man. But the rich man goes on, besides giving you whatever you ask, though, I will also give your neighbor double the portion that you receive. This man then becomes very disturbed, and to desire for anything disappears. Instead, he is heard muttering to himself, shall I ask for a pain in the neck? Is that not true? Imagine if God gave you that, right? Whatever I give you, I'll give double to the person near you. Would we be satisfied with that? I mean, it's a humorous story, but think about it. Or are we really focused on ourselves? It isn't right that they're blessed. What do they do to deserve that? The truth is, all of it's grace, church. None of it's deserved. And unfortunately, we have this perspective that God owes us something every time, which is why we don't understand grace for what it really is. In fact, it also destroys those enslaved by it. Greed destroys those that are enslaved by it. 1 Timothy 6, verses 9 through 10 says this, But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and to, and to many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. We always think the grass is greener on the other side, don't we? Not realizing how lonely it is when we're full of greed. I don't think many of us understand that many people that have been swallowed by greed end up very lonely. Oh, they achieved everything they wanted, but it was only on the other side. They were by themselves. They lost their families, their friends, the people they loved in pursuit of what they wanted. 
Greed pulls you away from the faith if you're a follower of Christ. You can't serve God in possessions. Scripture clearly tells you that. I don't know why we still think we can. Can't have it both ways. If you're a follower of Christ, greed will pull you away from the faith. Because greedy people don't care for others and their needs. You see, if you're a follower of Christ, you're going to want to give to others. You're going to desire to be gracious to others. You're going to desire to do the things that God would want you to do for others. But if you're greedy, it's going to be about yourself. It is going to be about what you want in your life. Truth is, greedy people bring about pain to themselves to the point of causing self-harm spiritually, emotionally, even physically. In pursuit of their desire to be rich, many lose everything, including their own soul, as Jesus warns about in gaining the whole world. The pursuit of gaining everything, we lose our soul. Unfortunately, many people tend to think only others are guilty of greed. And Scripture clearly tells us that this is a problem across the board. The unfortunate thing for many who are greedy is they think that if they just have a little more, they'll be more secure. You ever find yourself do that? If I only had this, I'd feel a lot more secure. And when you finally had it, you still didn't feel more secure at all. In fact, you tended to be more anxious. What if I lose it? What if I don't have what I have now? I've gotten so far. Security never comes from possessions. Believer, security should never come from what it is that you've been given on this earth. Security only comes in Christ and what God has called you to. And that's being a disciple. Being His. During the difficult economic season we're all in, we have the tendency to get quite greedy in only thinking of ourselves. So I have a challenge, church. Instead of complaining about the gas prices, find someone to pay gas for. Be radical. Believe that God really is in control of all of this. He's well aware of the fact that people are struggling financially. And maybe instead of buying your coffee that day or that week, pay for someone else. Be the example that God would call us to be. It does not mean that you don't have needs. It does not mean that it does not hurt. Of course it does. That means you have to do certain things in your budget and change things because the gas prices are twice as high now. That's real. We're not denying any of that. But are there other things maybe you can cut back on that really were a waste of your money and still be a blessing to others instead of greedy? The question for many that are aware and want a solution, though, is how do I battle and overcome greed? It's one thing to know that I have a problem, right? My name is Pastor Roman, and I have a problem. How do I solve it? Well, we have to overcome greed. And in overcoming greed, we need to start with awareness. You need to realize you actually have this potential in your life to be greedy. 
Stop pretending that everyone else is and start realizing that you are. It may not be in the same way that someone else is, by the way. Just because their greed is so blatant to you doesn't mean yours isn't there. As we see with other sins in our lives, it's easier to see those flaws in others, right? Oh my goodness, did you see the way they talk to their kids? How did you talk to your spouse last night? Let's be a little more honest. Awareness is necessary. Scripture says this in Luke 12, 15. And he said, as Jesus said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness or greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. You're not defined by what's in your bank account. I know many of us think we are. We're not. Now, if God's blessed us, we're going to talk about this a little bit later, God wants us to use that as a blessing in others' lives. We're not to be hoarding it. Fine. Greed does that. And unfortunately, most people, when you talk about the word greed, they only think certain people are. We need to be aware that we are. Take heed is a strong way of saying, pay attention. This is you. That's what Jesus is saying. Take heed. Beware. This is something that we simply miss all the time. James 4, verses 1 through 3, says this, What is the source of wars and fights among you? Don't they come from the cravings that are at war within you? You desire and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight in war. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and don't receive because you ask with the wrong motives so that you may spend it on your evil desires. That text of Scripture is always a conviction. Because many of us don't ask for the things we should from God. We ask for the things that are destructive to us. God, please give me this that others have. And I've got the wrong motives behind what I'm asking for. I'm not asking for pure reasons. I'm asking for me. So I'm benefited. Forget everybody else. I'm important, God. Give it to me. They don't need it. I need it. And it's really a want, but I think it's a need, so please give it to me. You can be greedy by one-upping somebody, even in service to God. By trying to show others that you care more than they do with a wicked heart only seeking others' attention. It's one of the strongest things that I think really the church doesn't want to admit to. I'd say the strongest areas of pull, if you will, in struggles in a church is when people want to one-up one another. Well, you know, I can speak better than they can. What are they doing teaching that? Look at what I did this last week. Nobody even saw. We tend to think that we're a much better servant of God than they are. We're proud of our humility, right? We're proud. We're so much better. 
How dare they get the recognition that I deserve? We're greedy for the limelight many times. You can be greedy thinking you deserve something without really working for it either. There's a lot of people that are like this. They want to check out and expect things to happen in their life that God wants them to work for. Which is why it fascinates me whenever the conversation of economics comes up around this country. The, the worker wants to get paid as much as the manager or the owner. Do you realize how much debt they went into to own this restaurant before you go complaining about what they pay you? How little we realize it goes into all that behind the scenes. We're greedy. That's why you don't have to be rich to be greedy. You can be poor and be greedy. So many people have a false sense of entitlement when it comes to things in this life. They think because they worked for a short time very hard that they should have what the other person worked for for many years. But I worked so hard these last six months. Please. They've been working for 10 years in debt. They finally got out. And, only, and you're only seeing them now. You didn't even see the 30000 they were paying off behind the scenes. You think they haven't made now? You don't even know what they were going through. So many think only others are greedy, especially those that have more than them. The unfortunate thing is that they've not been paying attention. Maybe you're not getting what you want because, as James says, your motives aren't right. You're asking God for the wrong things. And you're wondering why he's not delivering on them. You see, some of us, if God gave us a lot more money, we'd just be more stingy. And we wonder why God isn't giving us more money. And we wonder why others that have more money are still more giving than we are. Shouldn't be a shock. There's an axiomatic truth there that we miss. You will do whatever it takes to get what you believe you deserve to the point of consuming it for selfish reasons. That's what greed does to us. Whatever it takes, I'm going to get that that person has. And it consumes us, breaks us down. We're miserable. What's even more unfortunate is that we look at other people in this smug attitude like, how dare you have more than I do? How dare you have something nice? You don't deserve that. That should be mine. The other thing is, you said you're doing it for the right reasons, whatever it is that you're pursuing, but have you considered maybe there are ulterior motives that were really selfish greed behind the scenes? How many of us have ever said that we're doing things for God, but really are doing it for ourselves? Let me park for a second and make this statement. God's glory is not going to be shared. If you want glory for your Christian service, that glory belongs to him. And too many Christians want to share that with God. Oh, God is so good, but look at what I've done. So is God good or are you good? Is God great or are you great? What are you going for? We're sending mixed messages to people because we have ulterior motives. 
What's a remedy for this? What's another way to overcome greed? Or here's a big one, contentment. Contentment. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6-10, through 10, which is the verses before what we read later on. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness, and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Yes, contentment is the antidote for greed. Those are two diametrically opposed things. If you're greedy, you won't be content. You won't. It's impossible. They don't coexist. Understanding you came with nothing into this world and you can take nothing with you on the way out when it comes to material possessions. Listen, they could bury you with all your amazing things that you bought in this life and you're still not going to be able to enjoy them when you pass. That nice car, that beautiful home, that nice TV, all those things that we've bought that we're so proud of and we're thrilled with, we can't take with us. I love what one preacher said, those nice things that you buy will be at a garage sale 10 years later. Remember our cassette tapes? Those were the thing for those of us in the 90s. That and the CD players, right? And you had to make sure it was 30-second anti-skip at least, or else it would keep skipping on the track. But we were so pumped and thrilled, like, this is great, this is amazing new technology. Who cares to buy one now? You'll find them at a yard sale. 50 cents. Make me your best offer. I'll give you a quarter. Is that not true? But what does greed do to us? I need that. This is amazing. Only to find out years later. That TV, that big square TV we used to lug around in the home. We've got a flat screen now. Throw that other one out. You see, the truth is, understanding that you came nothing into this world is important. You're not going to be able to take anything with you. Earlier in the chapter, in, this, in chapter 6 of 1 Timothy, the warning is mentioned that some use God to be greedy. And Paul tells Timothy to stay away from people like that. Let me tell you, church, I think one of the things that is very scary, because there's a proclivity that people have, and every one of us has this proclivity if we're not careful, is to use God as a means to benefit ourselves. And what do I mean by that? Just be more practical, a little more honest about this. When we're having conversations with people and we say, hey, please pray for me, I need this, we're not doing it to have people really pray for us on it. We're doing it to hint that we want this. Anybody understand what I'm saying? 
We're hinting that, here's what I really want, just pray for it though. When you could have just been like, hey, can you help me out and give me this? Be a little more honest. Be a little more direct with your greed. We're not that honest. We masquerade it behind a prayer, right? We're going to pray about what we really are greedy about. Like, I really need a Tesla. No, I don't. I don't need a Tesla. I want a Tesla. It'd be nice, especially right now with the gas prices. But even then, realizing how it all operates, that's not going to help. Be careful, because you can even be self-deceived when it comes to contentment. You can be complacent in what you're doing to take care of yourself and your family to your detriment. You can argue that you work hard when you really don't. You're complacent with mediocrity. And you're saying that that's contentment. That's deceit. When you really don't work hard and are satisfied with mediocrity in your life, that's where you can play the contentment game with others, but really, truth is, you're not putting any effort in. You need to be careful. Being content does not mean letting things slide to the point of getting behind on bills. Well, God's just going to provide. I'm content with the struggle because I don't even want to try. That is not contentment, biblically speaking. Paul worked hard in the New Testament, and he writes those words. Paul made sure that he still did what he could on his end. If you're not taking care of your family that God gave responsibility over, and you're you're content with that, that's not the biblical definition of contentment. There are so many followers of Jesus that put very little effort into their walk with God They're content to be slackers in the kingdom. Oh, I'm content to not do squat for the Lord. That's not biblical contentment. I'm content in not reading the Bible. What kind of contentment are you getting from Scripture there? I'm content in being a sloth, spiritually speaking. That is not biblical contentment. That is you being deceived, thinking that's contentment that God talks about which is unfortunately where people get their Christian garbage slogans, let go and let God, to the extreme. Just going to let go of everything. God will take care of it. I don't have to pay my bills. It will eventually happen. Eh, we'll deal with it later. That is not at all what you should be doing. Those things are not found in Scripture. They're a concoction of your mind. And what you're doing is you're trying to use spiritual truths to back up your laziness. That's not contentment. Contentment is doing everything that God's called you to to the best of your ability and being content with the results. Knowing that you may do better one day and not as well the next. You may make more money this year than last year. Or you may make less, but you're going to put the same amount of effort in, which is the best of your ability. There are those who put little effort into what God has called them to when it comes to provision for their family, and they have a false sense of contentment in that area. They're content in the lazy, laid-back lifestyle, while greedy for what others have who worked hard. Don't be content 
if you're not working hard at all on what God's called you to. That is not the contentment we're talking about. The contentment we're talking about is God's going to take care of all your needs if you put what you need to and what he's called you to. That means, as Paul said, he knew how to be abased and abound, meaning when he had a lot, he was satisfied. When he had a little, he was satisfied because God was his satisfaction. The contentment is not found in your performance or the things you possess. The contentment is found in Christ. The issue is not having things. It's being greedy for more and never having enough. A lot of us have many things, especially right now. Put yourself in a Ukrainian shoes for a moment and your whole house just got destroyed. I don't think you could argue that you have less than they do now. You have way more, more than they do. But you know what? You still are greedy. You still want more. We still have that proclivity in us. We should still work hard because God promises to bless. In fact, Proverbs 10 verse 4 says this, A slack hand causes poverty. But the hand of the diligent makes rich. You should not be content with laziness. Which is why whenever I see these phrases in the scripture and people say, I'm, I'm content, and then you really just stop and think through it. Is that person really content? Because they're content with just being lazy. That's not biblical contentment. Working hard does not necessarily mean one is greedy. Just want to give you that. Working hard doesn't mean that someone's greedy automatically. It can, but it doesn't necessarily mean that. Which is why we need to be careful and check our motives. What are we going for? Here's a big one in overcoming greed. Generosity. This is a big one when it comes to overcoming greed. Proverbs 11, 24, and 25 says this, One person gives freely, yet gains more. Another withholds what is right, only to become poor. A generous person will be enriched, and the one who gives a drink of water will receive water. Proverbs 21, verses 25 and 26 says this, The desire of the lazy man kills him. For his hand refuses to labor. He covets greedily all day long. But the righteous gives and does not spare. You see how biblical contentment has not, nothing to do with being slothful? You see how you could be a slacker and be very greedy? You don't have to just be a rich guy making a lot of money and being greedy. You could be poor and broke and lazy and be greedy. It affects all of us. It's an incredible axiomatic truth that when we are greedy, the more we strive to go after something, the faster we lose it. The faster we lose it. Especially when we're pursuing it for our own benefit. Which is why the very thing you want, in many cases, money, one of them, one of your best remedies 
is to give it away generously to others in need. You want to know why so much of America struggles? We're not generous. We're a greedy, greedy nation. We're all about ourselves. Goodness, to help our neighbor forget it, my rights. Leave me alone. Right? That's one of the big things, right? Leave us alone. We just want to be left alone. You live in a country. You ought to care for others. We as a church should care for our neighbor. But yeah, greediness consumes us. Don't be surprised if you've, got, you've had it going bad for you for a while. And if you're, to be honest, simply put, you've been living in greed. You've not been willing to let go what you've been given. What you see is it like sand falling through your hands. Truth is, greed is that destructive. If you're stingy with what God has given you, and you thought by being stingy you'd gain more, you'll realize over a period of time that the very thing you gained you'll lose a lot faster. Because you kept it all for yourself. You continually longed for more, as if that was going to be enough. See, the truth is, church, God the Father gave what mattered most, his only son. What mattered most, he gave for us. And we act like we have the right to keep wanting everything apart from him and only the stuff he can give us. We're ungrateful children whose father blesses them, and we could care less about him. Thank you, God, for all you've given me. I don't care about you. Let me hoard it to myself. God has given it to us so we can give to others. Why are we so stingy? You can't even give the little you have available. You're afraid of losing it. Newsflash, you probably will. Is it too much for God to ask of you to give what he's already given you? It's all his anyways. You can't, you can't change that. You don't get to go back to God and go, you changed the rules now for me. It's not happening. You give because God gave which is why you never leave the gospel message out of this. The gospel was a free gift to you and me. We've been given everything, including eternity. What right do we have to live for this world? What right do we have to hoard it to ourselves, to be greedy and stingy and covetous, always looking at everybody else and what they have and desiring only that? We have the greatest treasure, and we keep forgetting Remember the song we sing when we were growing up, those of us that grew up in church? I, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to Him, I freely give. Really? Is that what we're living? Last time I checked, we're pretty greedy, Christians. 
We don't really surrender all. Maybe we need to stop singing lies, right? I remember one, one uh, teacher said it this way, Christians don't come to church to tell lies, they sing them. Brutal. But sometimes it's true. Sometimes it's true. Which is why, church, we have grace. Because God totally understands the failures we are. He knows the sinful state of man. And he gave us the gospel. You don't outgrow the gospel. Because the gospel always pulls you back to reality. When everything in the world is going crazy, and I want more of that, you have more than enough. What are you wanting? God owns it all. He's not going to leave you hanging. And even in death, you've got glory waiting. The gospel motivates you to be a giver and to not be greedy. Here's another remedy in overcoming greed, devotion. Psalm 119.36 says this, Incline my hearts to your testimonies and not to covetousness. Listen, it's very hard to fight greed if you're not in the Word of God. You're not going to understand the heart condition, the broken fellowship, your greed if you're not reading the Word of God and hearing from Him yourself. The default for all of us is me first. Me first. What needs to happen is an overcoming greed. We need to move our hearts to what the Word convicts us of. The Holy Spirit convicts us for a reason. And unfortunately, many of us are worried about everyone else's greed. We're not paying attention to our own. So many of us read the Bible with sometimes a, oh, that person's like this. They need to read what I'm reading right now. Or what pastor's preaching on this morning, oh, they need to hear that. They're a greedy person. Well, that's wonderful. You're a hypocrite. It's great. We're great at pointing everybody else out, aren't we? You see, most of us probably haven't even considered the fact that we're greedy. If we stopped and looked at others around us, if they didn't realize the inner desires we really have, not the ones we tell people we have, maybe there'd be some honest discourse about the fact that maybe I am greedy. It's not just those around me. It's being in tune with the Word of God that we find texts of Scripture that clearly tells us that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Do you know that? The greedy generation that we have grown up with is getting it all wrong. It's more blessed to give than to receive. How many of us think that way? Oh man, there's such a blessing in giving that I never had when I only took, took from them. Greed tells us that can't be true. You know what's best for you. It's diametrically opposed to Scripture. Which is why if we're not careful, we'll look around us and see people that we think are pure, but really we are full of greed. 
as the Pharisees were. Oh, the Pharisees looked great on the outside. They knew how to tell everybody how much they loved God. But internally, they were greedy. They were about themselves. The word is that mirror that shows us how ugly we really are. It's in those moments that we have the opportunity to come before God and to ask for forgiveness. There is grace, church. We are not left to our own devices. God has a remedy for all of us. So in closing, conclusion, is there greed in your life? Is there greed in your life? Have you just assumed that only people around you struggle with it, and it's not a struggle you have? It's only a strong longing for what others possess. Only others have that longing. I don't. Look at this past week. Tell me you didn't struggle when you saw all these things going on around you and you wish you had more in your bank account. What would you be willing to give away if God showed you an area where you're simply being greedy? Your possessions or money. Stingy with what you have so much of that you keep it to yourself and don't want to share with others. Maybe it's an availability. You're just not available for people. It's not only money that we can be greeting with. It could be time. Some of us would rather just give them something else. But for me to invest in somebody, no. My time is precious to me. That's a form of greed. You're never available for others, but you want them to be available for you. Are you sensing the greed in that? You ever have friends like that? The ones that won't call you ever, except when they need something. How do you think we are with God? How many times do we go, Lord, what do you want from my life? What can I do for you? It's, Lord, give me. Lord, please. I need more. Thank you. I need more than that. That's not, I need more. So many of us are consumed by what we want from God rather than what we can give back to God. All those things that you desire to possess that others have, you should learn contentment with with what you've already been given, provided that you've put the work in that God's called you to. So many are greedy and wanting the nicer things only to finally get them and watch their finances be destroyed due to foolish impulses. Keeping up with the Joneses is a real problem. It permeates our society, which is why we spend our money on foolish, stupid things. Your desires are not for heavenly things if greed keeps creeping in. They won't be. You can't serve God and this world at the same time. Take the time to put in the work that God has for you. Specifically, don't look at everybody else and what they're not putting in. You do what God's called you to. In your home, instead of coveting what other families have, make your home the priority in doing what God has called you to. In your finances, 
Making it a priority to do what God has called you to do. Not worrying about what others are giving and not giving, doing and not doing, what jobs they're working and you're not working. You worry about what you have to take care of. In your walk with God, be able to overcome greed by taking the time to be submissive to what Scripture calls you out on. You can't do anything about greed if you're not honest with yourself. You can't. And if you're constantly pointing at everybody else for being greedy, you're not looking at yourself. You're not being honest. Because every single one of us in an area or another has a form of greed that we're just not willing to admit to ourselves many times. We need to be content with what God's given us, but diligent to what he's called us to. Be grateful, truly grateful for what you have on this earth, believer. Because the truth is, greed is very sneaky. We don't even see it. It's undetected in our lives because we only see it clearly in others. We have a greed detector in others that we see all the time. When it comes to ourselves, we tend to give ourselves a pass on this one all the time. Those desires that you have change dramatically if God's kingdom is the priority. You're not going to be greedy for those things that will destroy. That greed will turn for a longing for the things that God wants for you. We make Christ a priority. Contentment flows from that. In fact, John MacArthur says this, the antidote for covetousness or greed is contentment. The two are in opposition. Whereas the covetous, greedy person worships himself, the contented person worships God. Contentment comes from trusting God.